0: Nick, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you once again.
1: Ooh, it's great to have me. That's nice to hear.
0: It's <laughs> great to have me.
1: Oh. Before we get into
0: our review of Bones and All, I was doing some research because I had noticed a recent spate of cannibal fiction. Mm. And I wasn't sure if it was just me conflating a bunch of things. But I was looking it up, and yes, there has been quite a few books and films and TV shows that seem to feature cannibalism. So, there's a book called A Certain Hunger. The TV series Yellow Jackets, the very popular TV series, kind of features cannibalism. Lapvona was a novel that came out in June. There is another novel called Mother for Dinner. You reviewed the movie Fresh for us
1: And let's not forget Of course Hannibal
0: I think there was another book That came out in 2020 Called Tender is the Flesh And so I'm thinking Mm -hmm. Just like vampire fiction and zombie fiction, we seem to be living in a time when cannibal fiction seems to be of interest for some reason.
1: But I don't want it to go the same route as what happened with the vampire fiction because everyone thought they were vampires. I don't want people to go out there and think they're all cannibals. I mean, Army Hammer's already doing it. We don't need anyone else.
0: Yes, there are a lot of easily influenced dummies out there. That is true. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what it was and I think maybe it's because it's rooted in the unknown, right? In the sense mm. that cannibalism is not something we often talk about. It seems quite interesting as a subject matter, especially if you're a writer or a filmmaker. I think that's what inspired Luca Guadagnino after reading Camille De Angelis's book, right? And yeah. I think yeah. maybe there was this interesting world that he wanted to explore. And I think bones and all... And I think we may have differing opinions on this because as we were leaving the cinema, I think we were both still processing this film. I think Bones and All is a fascinating, beautiful, but fucked up movie. If I had to describe it in like three phrases.
1: (laughs) If I had to describe it? Okay, let me give you my three words. My three (laughs) words would also be beautiful. What the fuck? In... uh, (laughs) Not in the good way, uh, and confused. Beautiful, beautiful without
0: a doubt, because Arseni Kachetwaran, who is the cinematographer, is absolutely amazing. This thing is shot beautifully.
1: Yes, like some of it is just works of art.
0: And I don't just mean the vast spaces. I mean even the enclosed spaces, even the close-ups. You're right. It's like a painting. It's beautiful. It's stunning to look at.
1: And it's almost as if each shot has been perfectly calculated in that sense. They painted it beautifully. Let's talk about
0: the what the fuck. Because I think Mm. we both have that kind of reaction to this movie. Mm -hmm. So, before we go on, I think for the casual viewer, we should say that one... Yes, there are brutal moments in this. But the brutal moments and the gory moments... Are far and few between. It is more the implied stuff that is actually more disturbing. And so you need
1: to know that going in to watch this movie. And that is exactly one of the main problems for me. Like I told you, I saw the trailer and I revisited the trailer again just to make sure I wasn't I wasn't mistaken. And sure enough, all the all the critic reviews they put up by like saying like, oh, best film of the year, beautiful masterpiece. Romance and horror at its finest. You see, that's why I say they're trying to market it as a romance and horror. That's a mistake. Yes. If okay, if you had told me that this was a full on romantic coming of age story, I would have bought it. I would have bought it, and that's what I wanted. Like, like I said, um, Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell—they did a fantastic job. I want to see more of that story. Like, eliminate all the Eater elements. Show me the story of a girl who has lost her parents, trying to navigate her way through the world, stumbles upon this Romeo-type character. And it's a very deep, personal, beautiful, organic story about life.
0: But that wouldn't differentiate it from any other coming-of-age romantic drama. That's true. So, I quite like the Eater element. If only because I think... And I'm sure you feel the same way. I think great movies and great fiction should kind of challenge us. And I found this movie quite challenging. Certain scenes and the depictions of certain things I I found quite jarring, in a good way. Because I was like, whoa, right? I did not expect that. And whenever a movie does that to me, I'm like, ah, this is interesting. This is exciting because I think both you and I watch so many films and so much TV <laughs> yes. that we are so fucking jaded to a lot of things, right? And so yeah. it takes a lot to actually make us sit up in our seats and go,
1: oh, what was that? And I yeah. think this movie does that for sure. Oh, yeah. I think even despite my, my drawbacks to it, it's still a very decent, good movie. You're absolutely right with
0: regards to the romantic stuff, because I think that's the strongest element of the film. Yeah. But that said, I do like the world of the eaters that was constructed here. Like, for me, that's quite an interesting, I want to use the word mythology only because I'm not sure if it's rooted in any real research of how cannibals like, real-world cannibals operate.
1: Actually, that brings up a good point because what makes me think of this is a certain sect in India, a, a group of people in India who are cannibals, who live their life as cannibals. They're, they're exactly like you and me, except they eat people. And that's it. And to me, that's the first thing that I actually thought of because I'm like, I'm sure they have romantic relationships involved. Well. They're humans just like us. The only thing is they eat people, but again, not trying to normalize cannibalism, But in their minds, that's normal.
0: But also, in this movie, there is an acknowledgement that it is some sort of sickness or disease, that it is not normal, right? And I think that was quite an interesting metaphor for me because that relates to something like paedophilia as well. Recent studies, of course, and psychologists' assessments of paedophiles are that they suffer from this incurable disease, right? It's not like they want to harm children, but they do not have that sort of control over it. And I find that very fascinating because it's very similar to the way cannibalism is depicted in this movie. And they talk about how, you know, you only have a few options. You kill yourself, you try and live without it, or you do your best to kind of mitigate the dangers associated with it, right? The morality associated with it. And, I'm like, wow, that actually applies to, like, on a fictional level, it applies to vampires. Because we've seen vampires do that. Oh, I'm a good vampire. I drink blood from the morgue. You know, that kind of bullshit we've seen in TV shows, right? Yeah. And then I think you see it a little bit with, like, any kind of monster fiction. But... With cannibals, I think it's slightly different because obviously they're
1: not mythological characters. There are real people in the world who are. But you you say, you say this, Uma, and you've kind of driven the point that I had straight home. Like, one of the main things I got from this is, yeah, I would love to see more of the Eater perspective of it. Maybe that's also what I'm missing. I would love to see them touch on that a bit more. But the fact that you said that it could be related to paedophilia, it's a condition people might not accept this condition. You might feel there's no way out. It's a struggle to get anyone to accept you for the condition you have. And that is my point. What makes that any different? Like, they could have made this story about LGBT. They could have made this film about orphans. They could have made this film about transgenders or whatnot. What makes the Eater so special? That's why I think I'm so confused. Because if you remove the Eater element, put it with another certain oppressive sort of condition... And it's the same damn film. What makes the Ita section so special? And I think that's what frustrates me. I think you're right. I think the eater stuff was
0: used as background dressing. Mm. I think that was the shock value of the film, right? But actually, it was a pretty straightforward romantic drama. Yeah. And I like the romantic drama only because the two of them are absolutely fantastic. Don't get me wrong. That is, that is a fact. <laughs> For me... Chalamet might be this generation's Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, when you look at the early work of Leonardo DiCaprio, the kind of different movies that he did and how his career has kind of progressed, I'm like, wow. I think people talk about his dating life, but, you know, maybe we've forgotten what a tremendous actor he actually is and the scope of work that he's done. And if you look at Chalamet's work over the last, you know, ever since Interstellar,
1: and I'm just like, holy shit, this guy's done such a broad scope of acting work and the choices that he has made in the roles that he has taken it's honestly at a guy his age what he has done yeah it's exactly what what Leo did the only worry I have now is Wonka because I'm like "Mm, I know right Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka it's a prequel right Mm. yeah it is
0: (laughs) see that is a prequel I don't need only because the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story was so Perfect and wonderful. But anyway, carry
1: on. What we do need is not a prequel. How about making a film on the actual sequel fucking Roald Dahl wrote? The Glass Elevator. Great
0: Glass Elevator. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Everyone is going, oh, we need a prequel. It's like, can somebody make the sequel? (laughs) The book's there for you. Use it.
0: (laughs) But then you can't cast Pretty Boy Chalamet to get all the ladies to come and watch the film, my friend.
1: Oh, so they can cast Johnny Depp as Michael Jackson, but they can't cast uh, Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) (laughs) Explain that to me, my friend
0: (sighs) I mean, Taylor Russell is absolutely fantastic as well I think there is so much that she just does with her face throughout Because, you know, she's listening to these recordings Which her father left her when he abandoned her And so much of that is just great face acting And she's so good Like, she... I think most people probably would have seen her in the Netflix Lost in Space. Sorry, I take that back. Most people didn't watch that series.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I did watch Lost in Space.
0: (laughs) If anyone did, then obviously she was Judy Robinson. So she had a
1: main role in that TV series. Because I was wondering, like, where have I seen her before? But I don't think I have. I mean, if I haven't lost Lost in Space, I wouldn't have seen her. Because honestly, like, you feel everything with her. You can feel that frustration. You can feel that intrigue. You can feel everything. And there's... Like you said, it's not a lot of external acting. Yeah, between her and Timothy Chalamet, both of them are such internal actors. And it works so well together. Also with Luca Guadagnino, I think there is a sparseness to the way he shoots this film
0: that is stunning. And you see it in Call Me By Your Name as well. There's very little exposition. Everything is done through these performers. And man, what a great bunch of performers. I mean, because I think he's Luca Guadagnino, he can you know, get all these people to work with him in incredibly small parts. But I love it when A-list actors like Michael Stuhlbarg, Mark Rylance, and Chloe Savigny,
1: who shows up for like wait, three wait, minutes. Wait, wait, Where was Chloe Savigny? How did I miss this? Where was she?
0: Chloe Savigny was the mother, dude. Oh
1: my God, that was her? She shows
0: up for three minutes, right? But I oh love it when A-list actors go nuts. Michael Stuhlbarg, is insane in this. And it's so good. It's unlike any character I've seen him play before. Mark Rylance is genuinely fucking creepy. And from the second you
1: meet him, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is freaking me out. (laughs) Like, I had to give real credit to Mark Rylance Because I know he doesn't appear a lot in the film But in that minute, I I related a lot to Hopkins' performance in Silence of the Lambs He was only on screen for less than 10 minutes But we all remember Hannibal Lecter Exactly And Mike Rylance, I think, has done the exact same thing He's very far and few between But we remember him vividly You're scared of him throughout the film? And also, it's not only that, you're scared, but at the same time, kind of comforted because he seems like a nice guy in the beginning.
0: You never trust those uncles, bro. Those creepy uncles.
1: Yeah. I've, I've started to learn a lot to trust you because I know you're going to be one one day. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yes.
0: It's a weird show. Like, I had difficulty trying to put my thoughts around it because to say that I enjoyed this movie. Enjoy is the wrong word. I think I appreciate this movie. Mm-hmm. I see what yes. it's trying to do. And I recognize all of the amazing things. The music is fantastic. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross oh, yes. do great shit with the music, right? And it's not just their slow guitar riffs, but also Luca Guadagnino has these fantastic pin drops with... Pop songs that he weaves into the soundtrack, too, that kind of fits the film really well. The cinematography, we spoke about that, also amazing. His directorial choices, the performances, everything, like, if you judge this movie by its parts, it's absolutely fantastic. It's just that, as a whole, I still don't know how I feel about it because it's such
1: a weird film. Yes, Like, don't get me wrong, this film is honestly, it's a great film. Like, I believe people should go and watch it. It's just, I feel, it's either confusion or I wanted more. Not from the romantic aspect, like I said, I wanted more of the Eater aspect. Like, give us more of the lore of that. Like you said, we've seen so many stories of a romantic coming of age, but we haven't seen a romantic coming of age with cannibals. So... Use that to your advantage. Don't create another story just like everything else. Create a story that's unique. And I think that, at the end of the day, is what I want. It's not a bad film. It's just I want more than what I was given. I didn't have as much of a problem
0: as you did with that. But at the same time, I see where you're coming from. If you are going to tell a cannibal love story... Yeah, you need to have an equal balance between the cannibal and the love story, right? You know what's a fucked up cannibal love story? Fresh! I'm sorry, that is also a love story. That's both fucked up in the cannibal sense and fucked up in the love
1: sense as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> this one is a little more straightforward in the love sense. Yes. <laughs> Give me a spinoff with Stolberg, with uh, fucking Rylance, just this eater community. Do a fucking movie about the eaters. Can you imagine how amazing that would be? I think that would be good. yeah. And give Rylance and Stolbo, they team up and they start getting their... Eater Army and shit. I want to see that. Okay, okay calm down. <laughs> Stop building out like a franchise, my friend. Like a Bones and All cinematic universe. Yes, that's what I want. A Bones and All cinematic universe. Fuck the MCU. Bones and All. <laughs> that's what I want.
0: <laughs> we we do recommend that you go and watch this though. Because I think it's incredibly rare that movies like this make it to Malaysian cinemas. Oh, and yeah. we want more movies like this to come into Malaysian cinemas. We know the audience is small. But... That niche audience, yes, you, I'm talking to you, should pay the 15 to 20 ringgit to watch this in the big screen, right? Because that's the only way they'll keep bringing more movies like this. Because at the end of the day, you may think that the big screen is only for these big blockbuster spectacles. I tend to disagree. I love watching movies like this on the big screen. I think it's a fantastic experience. It's beautiful to look at. And so... Yes, go watch this in cinemas. Also watch it because it's very rare that we have films that actually challenge us. And I think this one will challenge your worldview in one way or other. And it'll force a conversation about something. I think that's important. So for that reason, check out Bones and All. We won't say you'll enjoy it because we don't know if you will.
1: Yes. But But. you should definitely go And see it for yourself Give yourself that honour Of experiencing this film Especially Sorry, just to add on To what you said About reaching Malaysian shores Like This is a film That shouldn't Reach Malaysian shores But it has So take that opportunity Because I don't think Honestly, I'm surprised That this is here And also Not only that I'm sure people are wanting to know There's actually Very minimal cuts If anything at all Maybe one one cut of a scene and that's it
0: and it doesn't actually ruin the experience as well because you kind of you kind of figure what's happening
1: all the cannibal stuff all the blood all the it's all there I'm like how <laughs> but yes maybe this is progressive maybe the maybe LPF was like ya, la, no one will watch this anyway la. so <laughs> use that to your advantage watch this film
0: also we don't need to remind you this is rated 18 so don't take your kids you will scar them for life once you watch Bones and All, don't forget we want to speak to you about it. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us, podcast.goggler.my, or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotlines, 012-524-5208. You can find Nick on at Clappercorns or at Nick Dorian or at Geeks in Malaysia. Good job. Thank you <laughs> so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.